This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Look for Mark on Twitter at Mark Dondero. No, don't look for that. No. Southern New England Sports Original. Don't you look for that? You don't utter the, that name. That name's Voldemort here now. How dare you, Devin? You delete those right when this show's over. All of them. All of the imaging. Because right now it's Kitchen and Cordishi. I don't want to hear any other show names that maybe or maybe not used to be here. It's Kitchen Cordishi. Come on, we're honoring him in this show. Come on. <laughs> Next week, it's Kitchen and Meter. Hey, Ben, by yes. the way, <laughs> uh, I've got reports right now, and I'm looking Ooh. at pictures from outside the Amica Mutual Pavilion in downtown Providence, the AMP, formerly known as the Dunk. Uh-oh. You should see the crowds. They are off the hook of students and people and fans waiting to get in, and the F Ed Cooley chants have already begun outside the building. <laughs> Why does I feel like this game is more exciting to them than, you know, an NCAA tournament game from a couple of years ago? Oh, it is. There's going to be a lot of vitriol in that building. Listen, Friars season. fans, it's fine. If you're mad at him, be mad at him. Because you know what? I still hate Rick Patino, And it's been 22 years since he's been gone. I still hate him. Even though I suggested he could be a possible hire for Providence. <laughs> I still hate him. So if you guys want to hate Cooley, fine. Do it. You don't have to be a complete jerk about it. You don't have to be vulgar about it. But you can hate him. It's the fine. Words of Ron Burgundy, stay classy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Our lovely friend uh, Nick Coit posted a Twitter video not a couple seconds ago outside the uh, arena. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. The boos are starting in. Absolutely. That's where I got it from. Is Nick getting pelted with eggs and... Toilet paper rolls? I don't know. He hasn't shown his face. So, uh, uh, I, haven't, we'll I haven't shown up yet. Just wait, Nick. Well, so let me ask you this question, okay, Ben? And I know you're not a huge Friar fan, right? But, you know, I'm just curious. So given all that you know about Ed Cooley's situation, right? He was yeah. here at Providence, hometown kid. This was his dream job. He was going to retire here, be here forever. And then all of a sudden he leaves and takes not just another job but a conference rival job and position at Georgetown. So my question to you is, how do you think Friar fans are going to react today when he is introduced by Frank Carpano, the public address announcer? And then how do you think they should react? All right. The reaction is going to be, it's going to sound like the reaction Jerry Krause got at, I wanted to say the United Center. It hasn't been that for 30 years. His poor wife. Oh, that was brutal. 
I was. I, I felt was so, so bad I, for, I her. So for her. And, and, and that was messed up because, yeah, you might not like certain things. You might not like what was said about him in the last dance, but he was the guy in charge of six titles. Yep. Six titles. Like, we, we can get mad at Bill, but how can you hate him? It's the same thing for me. Um, like, if Bill Belichick came back and he gets booed, like, that's insane. Um, I think it's a little bit different because it's not like you got that full um, – you, you didn't get a title – with Ed Cooley. You didn't win the NCAA tournament. You had some success. He did turn around the program. He made it a respectable program. And for a couple of years there, it looked like it was a true top 20 program in college basketball. And yes, he's a local kid. But it, it's the fact that he went to a division rival, conference rival, whatever you want to call it, and a honestly a lesser program. That's You should be kind of frustrated with that. But at the same time, if it's ultimately what usually these cases really come down to is money, you should be frustrated with the people that wouldn't pay him the money he required to stay. It didn't come down to money. I don't. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know how much he's getting paid. I've seen reports could be upwards of close to eight million. I think he was making like three and a half, four here. I don't know what the number is, but I don't think it was about money. I don't. I don't. I think there were some personal things that happened that, you know, have been speculated about that nobody's confirmed. I think that played a lot into his departure more than anything else. Mm. Um, but beyond that, I, I think he wants us to believe that it was just time for change. I think he wants us to believe, and it's been thrown out there, that he had maxed out what he could do at Providence, but he feels like he can compete for national championships at Georgetown, which I don't know if I agree with that. As we've talked about, I don't necessarily think that is a better job than Providence is. Uh, in today's college basketball world, but we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I I think it's pretty obvious what the re- reception is going to be. It's going to be overwhelmingly booze. Yep. I, I can't. There's going to be some people, like we heard from Ralph and Cranston, like, I appreciate everything he did here, who, if he's at the game, will sit on his hands, but he's not going to cheer the guy. So, yeah, the reception's going to be negative for him, and that's fine. Good. That's one of the things I love about it. I love the irrationality of sports fans. We're insane. We're psychopaths. None of this makes sense. Yeah. How, how any of us should really be mad at Bill Belichick for what he gave us for 20-some-odd years is crazy. But we do, and, and we feel justified with it because we're psychotic. We're absolutely psychotic when it comes to this stuff. We hate when you leave us, even if it's for more money. We can't understand it. How could you leave? It's not, it's not better anywhere else than it is here. Well, if I went from $3.5 million to $8 million, I'd go too. I'd be like, I'll coach the University of Fairbanks, Alaska. Why not? So, you know, it, it just it's just the uh, it's just the nature of sports these days. Absolutely, the nature of sports is these guys just move a lot. There is no real loyalty, and that goes both ways. We're not truly loyal to these guys, and they're not truly loyal to us. We just have to accept that. We have to realize that. Um, Tom Brady ultimately chose to leave. We know. We feel like we know why. We feel like he was pushed to leave, but ultimately it was his choice. Yep. He could have taken less money to stay. They would have definitely signed him for a sweetheart deal for them, but ultimately he chose to leave because it's not about us fans for them. That's just how it works. Yep. So if we want to turn around and boo someone that even though they gave us great memories, it might not have ended well, so be it. That's, that's our prerogative. 
Um, I want to talk about a couple other things here as we start to wind down uh, this edition of Kitchen and Cordishi. And I want to get into the um, into the Celtics and the Red Sox a little bit. But before we do, uh, we have one more caller on the phone. Let's talk to Bob in Cumberland. What's going on, Bob? Yes, hello, guys. Yes, hello, guys. And I know Steve doesn't agree with Scott a lot, but uh, Bill Belichick was the architect of many good things up till 2017 when the straw that broke the camel's back was the fact that when he wanted to go with Jimmy G, Kraft did not. And from that point on, then they won every other Super Bowl for six years. They did win three more Super Bowls, all packed in with players that Bill picked. Kraft didn't pick them, and Tom Brady didn't pick them. Okay? So you need a good quarterback? Yes, but he didn't pick all the players around him, Dan Copen, Matt Light, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, you already mentioned many of them already on air. However, Bill Belichick did that. However, at 2017, when he had his little architect, well, I like, went 10 years without winning, and, you know, it's likely that he'll never win again, let's get rid of him. Well, guess what? He made a mistake. That was a fatal mistake. That fatal mistake is based on the, one of the seven deadly scenes, arrogance. That's what cost Bill Belichick his job, his arrogance. It's unfortunate, but uh, um, and I just want to say PC Fry is going to win by 15 today, and Os- Oswin E is going to be playing at the Rhode Island College Sherm at 1.30 on Thursday and Saturday. You want to see the the face of the uh, Friars going forward. He's going to be on display. He'll be at the game sitting behind the bench, and Anton Bunk, 7'2", will be sitting on the bench, but he can't play till next year. But anyway. PC Fries, I got to go from Ernie D to Billy D to Oswin E, and they're going to make the final four three times with those guys. God bless you, Bob. I, okay, I love Bob. the optimism. Yeah, I don't know if I'm Bob. buying it, but they are going to have a top recruit there, Bryson Tiller, on on uh, behind the bench. So he's at uh, one of the top ten recruits in 2025. Anyway, going back to what he said about Jimmy G, Jimmy G, first of all, the Patriots only won one Super Bowl after Garoppolo left. They didn't win three after he left. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely that, that whole decision there, to me, and I know we've beat this like a dead horse here, the bottom line is the Brady-Belichick, to me, divorce started or the, the fracture in their relationship started because of Alex Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think Brady's ever owned that. And that's the one thing that always disappointed me about Tom Brady's departure is he never owned his part in the divorce. Like, say what you want about Bill Belichick. He's gruff. He's grumpy. But he's never changed who he is from day one to the day he left New England. Tom Brady changed, okay? Tom Brady, when he met Giselle, changed. He got, got lifestyle, the rich and famous. He changed, okay? And it was his guy that overstepped his bounds, Alex Guerrero, when he was treating other Patriot players, and he had full access to the team, traveled with the teams on the sidelines. And when he told these other players that he was treating to not listen to the advice of Patriot trainers, that pissed off Belichick, and that's when he booted him from the stadium. And he had to treat Brady outside the stadium, and that pissed Brady off. But it was Guerrero's fault, and Tom Brady never owned that. And that's what bothers me about this you know a lot's going to be written and said when it's all over with about you know the ending between these two that's what started it and Brady never owned it I agree he did never own it and it's interesting to me because I I, was it last October November something like that we saw a report and it was just kind of came and went really quickly and no one really talked about it 
But Tom Brady and Alex Guerrero parted ways. Yeah, what happened there? That's right. We they never heard about that. Dissolved their business partnership. And, did, and the, the, all I saw was, quote, they'll no longer work together. So did, I, did, I don't did, know. Did Brady realize what everybody else knew, that, that you know, Guerrero's kind of a snake oil salesman after all? I, I don't know. I don't know what led to that divorce between those two, but you're right. That was kind of a quiet story that was just kind of under the radar that not a lot of people looked into. Why? I don't know, but curious at best. I'm not saying Guerrero didn't help Brady. He did. Think what you want about Alex Guerrero. You could think he's a scumbag. You could think whatever you want about him. He did help Tom Brady, his training practices. I give him that. But he was the root of the divorce or the beginning stages of the divorce between Brady and Belichick. Yeah, I blame Tony Robbins. I go all the way back to that. Tom Brady hanging out with Tony Robbins. Yuck. That snake oil salesman. Yep. Alex Guerrero's worse because he was peddling cancer cures or whatever. Exactly. He's worse. Ro- Robbins is whatever. I, I don't know. The biggest head. He looks like a live Easter Islander. It's ridiculous. But going back to Jimmy G, yeah. you know, you, you and I are on the same page. We want to draft Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. get a quarterback later, sign a veteran, do it that way instead of taking one of these top three quarterbacks with a number three pick. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. And Jimmy G factors into this. Mm. I want to build it the 49ers way. Okay? I want to have a terrific offensive line. I want to have elite talent at the skilled positions, wide receiver, running back, tight end like the 49ers, because then I can throw just about anybody at quarterback. Because guess what? The 49ers wanted a high level and got to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, who we now know at best is an average NFL quarterback. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They're doing it again with Brock Purdy, the last pick in the NFL draft in the seventh round, Mr. Irrelevant. So my point is I would rather do it that way, build it that way, than take the quarterback one, two, or three, not knowing if that person's ever going to be a star. I want the talent around him, and then you can throw whoever you want back there. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd like to build that. Because if you do, let's say you go, you take Marvin Harrison this year, and you shore up the offensive line a little bit, and maybe through free agency you acquire one of these wide receivers that's you know can be the focal point of your offensive air attack. Maybe do all those things like to play alongside Marvin Harrison Jr. Then if I hire a, a sign a, a draft a quarterback in 2025, he's coming into a situation where he's got a better offensive line that will protect him and keep him upright, and he's got legit threats to throw to, and he can develop and grow with those guys over the next couple of years. That's the to me that's the ideal scenario. And like you said, you know you bring in a veteran quarterback. Whomever. I know some of these guys aren't realistic, but Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy G, whatever. Something like that for a year. Sign him to a two-year deal like you did Cam Newton. And then after year one, you know it's not going to go great, but it might be all right. It might be passable. And then in 2025, we try and draft that quarterback because likely we're still in the top 10 of the draft. And we might have positions where we can move up and take a guy we really, really want. That would be my ideal scenario. I don't want them necessarily to draft May, Williams, or Daniels this year. I want Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's going to be the next stud superstar wide receiver, and I think this team moving forward and this offense moving forward is going to need that. They're going to need to evolve, and it involves having a stud wide receiver. Yep. Because look look what's happened to Mahomes this year. While they've been successful— I think we all agree it's really been on the back of their defense. Well, I would say largely. They really struggled during the regular season, and Mahomes had more drops than any other quarterback in the NFL. Exactly. Those receivers were awful. 
Um, to his credit, though, and, and to that team's credit, they kind of grinded through not having enough talent on offense to make it where they are tomorrow, the AFC Championship game. And that's a credit to Mahomes, Kelsey, and I think, you know, I think their running game started to crank it up. But as you pointed out, their defense has been the one constant all season long for them. Yeah, so even we all, I think everyone agrees that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Even he needs some legit weapons to throw to. Now, thankfully for him, he has had Kelsey, but Kelsey hasn't been the same guy this year that he was in the past couple of years. Even he hasn't been. Even look what going from Juju Smith Schuster to Kadarius Tony and whatever the other Jags he has at wide receiver was a step down. Weirdly. Yep. So even that guy needs someone to throw to. Once Josh Allen got Stefan Diggs, he took off. He didn't have Diggs before, and he struggled. And he looked like a you know a good athlete, a guy who could run, but he was like a 55% completion guy who's going to throw a ton of interceptions. Now all of a sudden, Stefan Diggs walks in that door. He's much better. Takes a huge step forward and becomes one of the premier quarterbacks of the NFL. I think that position is so important now. And that, that goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about Mayo's comments where you said it, it clearly looked like it's a quarterback. To me, it's quarterback or wide receiver because I think those comments were based on the fact that the previous regime, the Bill Belichick-led system, discounted both of those. We saw how he discounted both of them in terms of moving on from Brady, you know, bringing in a washed Cam Newton, thinking he could win with a 31, 32-year-old Cam Newton who'd been routinely hurt for the previous couple of years, drafting Mac, but never bringing in elite, true, talented wide receivers. So I think he dismissed both of those positions. So I think it's open to interpretation. He either means quarterback or wide receiver. Well, he definitely swung and missed on the kill, Harry. Probably his worst draft pick ever. Um, so I think he tried to bring one in there, but largely you're correct. I, I think, Bill, the thing that surprises me most about the how it ended for Bill in terms of the offense that just deteriorated to the point where it was laughably bad wasn't that he devalued the quarterback position, although many will tell you that he did. He think he thought he could win with anybody, not just Tom Brady. Wasn't that he devalued the wide receiver position? How did he let their offensive line get so bad? Mm. Like, you know, Belichick's old school. Belichick believes that you need great line play. How did he let the offensive line deteriorate? And I know this that, that may be the larger part of the conversation as well, losing Dante Skarnacchia. There's no other good offensive line coaches out there. Are you serious? The talent on the offensive line sucks. And the fact that they reinvested in, in um, what's his name, um, Brown, I mean, oh, it, it's just – I mean, and Riley Reef, you gave him $5 million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the different disappointing part to me, that, that he let the offensive line get to where it got. You know, I, I just that, – that stuns me. Yeah, and because you know in his heart of hearts, he truly believes that in the trenches is where it all works, where everything gets set up, both offensively and defensively. Uh, defensively, if you can create the appropriate type of pressure with the least amount of guys. That's essentially what his defensive philosophy has always kind of been. Great pressure with a couple of guys up front, sit back with a couple of other guys so that it makes it really hard to throw, throw against. And offensively, you know he believed that having a stout offensive line kind of makes everything else work. The offensive linemen around Tom Brady were really good. 
And you combine it with Brady's ability to get rid of the ball really quickly, make those decisions, not only make the mental decision, but actually physically get rid of it quickly, helped. And him, Belichick, letting it just rot for the last couple of years, not truly reinvesting in it and just relying on guys that were essentially has-beens, like Trent Brown. Even though when he's right, he's great, he's wrong too far often to be considered a great player anymore. Yep. And you're right, just letting that part of the ball, that side of the ball, that position grouping just kind of melt away, really, really concerning, especially you know with a rookie quarterback. You want to protect those guys because those guys, when they come in, they take a few big hits. It can really alter the entirety of their career. You know, I could go back to David Carr, taken number one overall by the brand new Houston Texans. They have nothing for him to work with on the offensive line, and he got murdered, almost li- literally murdered back yep. there. Yep. Took a record amount of sacks, and his career was never right. He had plenty of physical gifts. He just was shell-shocked, essentially, and I think to a large part that did happen to Mac too. I think Mel- Mac got shell-shocked. I'm not defending Mac. I-, I, don't, I don't think he's any good, but what was around him, particularly on the offensive line, did him no favors. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, I know you normally get a singular producer's question from Joe, but how would you feel, Scott, about just taking rapid-fire questions from these two psychopaths in the other room? I would love to do it. All right. We're going to do that next. Rapid-fire and producer's question. That's next on Kitchen and Cordishi. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.